So we left off last week with the second introduction to um, Kaddish in regard to the language of Kaddish and why it's written in Aramaic and in Hebrew and the various theories for why it is so. Um, this week we're going to look at the first paragraph of Kaddish, which is known today as Chatzi Kaddish. Originally it was known as Kaddish Shalem because it was the complete Kaddish. However, um, the additional stanzas uh, that are added were added at later dates and written in different uh, language, not languages, you know, Hebrew, Aramaic, um, in order to fulfill the needs of every community. So those editions we'll look at Bezat Hashem the next time after Purim that we uh, give a shiur. But um, tonight we're going to look at the Pirush, the commentaries on Chatzik Hadish. It's a lot to cover, so inevitably we're going to miss out some of the Pirushim. One or two Gersot we might not be able to mention, but we'll try to do as much as we can because there's just an, an ocean of stuff here. All right, so the first imp- interpretation of Kaddish that we need to look at is the one that all the Rishonim bring, even if they don't agree with it, they still they still give it tremendous uh, respect. And this, that is the interpretation of Kaddish which Rashi in Machzor Vitri and in the Pardes that Rashi gives. So it all begins in the Rashi in Parashat B'Shalach, the last Pasuk, the last few Pasukim, at the end of Milchamat Amalek. It's very interesting that we're going to be discuss, discussing Amalek tonight because it's almost Purim. All right. Hashem told Moshe, write this in the, in the Torah and, and uh, give this as a tradition to Yehoshua, that I will wipe out the memory of Amalek from the face of the earth, from, under, from, under, from underneath the, the heavens. Moshe built his back and called the place Hashem Nisi. And Moshe said, Moshe Rabbeinu said, almost uh, as a testimony, that Hashem's hand is on his throne, and like, a, like a form of Shavuot, like swearing, so to speak, that Hashem is, uh, as it were, Kaviachol, swearing, that he is going to wage war with Amalek throughout the generations. This is, Hashem is going to wage war with Amalek generation after generation. That's This is what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, that Hashem is Kabayachol swearing um, on his kisei. So, kiyad al ka. Those are the important words. So let's see Rashi on that pasuk. Rashi says, Vayomer, Moshe, over here, Vayomer does not mean Hashem, it means Moshe. As we said, the hand of Hashem is raised to swear in the, on the throne that he will have a war with Amalek Olamit. Why does it say Kes? Why, does, why doesn't it say the full letters? Even the name of Hashem is split in half. It says Ka, it doesn't say Yud Kevav Ke. So answers Rashi, Hashem swore that his name would not be complete and his throne will not be complete until the name of Malek is completely obliterated. Once that's done, then Hashem's name and throne will be complete. Hashem 
Hare Hashem Shalem, because it says Yud Kevavke, and Konei Lameshpat Kiso, Hare Kiso Shalem, because it actually says uh, Kisei. So Rashi brings Pesukim to support this, that in the time of the Geula, the Shem Hashem is going to be complete, and uh, the throne, so to speak, is going to be complete. So instead of having case, it will be Kisei. Instead of uh, Yud and Hey, it will be Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey. Now, Rashi and Machsor Vichri being some Mashal. So Mashal to a king who res- who pays the ransom for his son in a prison. His son is, his, his prince is in a prison far away. The king uses his political might to rescue the son from prison. And on the way out of prison, his son is attacked by a band of thieves. And the king, and they beat him, it doesn't say to death or whatever, and um, the king is infuriated, he throws off his, his ring and um, and swears that he will never call, he will never call himself king or never, um, uh, his, he will never sit on his throne, I believe the, the mashal is, until, until the thieves, the vengeance is had from these thieves, that, he, you know, my stature as king is diminished until I uh, pay restitution for the sins done against my sons. Same, the, mashal, the nimshal is, Kal Yisrael was taken out of Mitzrayim by Hashem, and as they were taken out, Amalek had the audacity um, to wage war against Bnei Israel, and when that happened, Hashem was so appalled and insulted that he swore. This is the Mashal Rashi gives that he swore, so to speak, that he was going to fight a war with Amalek for the rest of time, as it were. Kavayachol, Hashem has to fight a war with somebody. So, doesn't Hashem also control what happens? I mean, how come that it happened that Amalek waged war against Israel? I mean, didn't is I guess Ben in a way asked for it or were being punished for something that they were able to penetrate it? Because before, yeah. once they they fought everybody, once they come out of Egypt, everybody was afraid of them. Nobody was was able to approach them. Basically, yeah. They were like, so you're asking good. So the first the first thing is that yes, I'm a I'm a lake. Definitely, as an army, they had bechira. They could have. They had a choice to do what they wanted to do. Um, was it part of the ultimate plan for Hashem to allow Amalek to attack Israel? That is possible. Now, the reason why would Hashem choose Amalek of all of the nations to suddenly say die, 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 and you know nobody else? Well, why is it? Why is Hashem having such vengeance against Amalek? So, the Sfarim explain, and some of them explain this kabbalistically that that Amalek traces its roots back to the evil of Amalek traces its roots roots back to to the Nachash and Ganeden to the serpent in Gan Eden. It's oh, yeah. the pure, pure evil. The Satan, the pure, purest evil in the world is represented by Amalek. They inherited this in their DNA, the purest evil. Now, why is it the purest evil? So, in in, in, um, in the Torah, there's no such thing as, on a technical level, not on a practical level, but on a technical level, we don't really discuss things in the sense of right and wrong. We discuss things as what Hashem wants and what Hashem doesn't want. Divine will, yes or no, what Hashem wants or doesn't want. Anything which is the denial of Hashem's presence, anything which um, makes pretend or pushes away Hashem's presence or existence or denies Hashem, that is what we call ra, that is what we call evil. So uh, whether it's tumah, klipot, anything that pushes out kedushah, whether it's chet, where we make pretend Hashem doesn't exist uh, with our sin, all of those things are things that we call evil. Amalek epitomizes evil because they saw the might of Hashem. They saw the Gedulah. They, sh- they saw all the Nisim of Mitzrayim. And the purest of evil is the ability to recognize Hashem's greatness and to say, Afal Even so. So what? 
I'm going to attack anyway. That's the purest evil. The purest evil isn't just to to um, deny Hashem's presence passively. It's to actively reject Hashem's presence. It's to say that we know Hashem is there and we're going to push back against Hashem's presence. That is the the uh, epitome of evil which Amalek represents. And that is the reason why um, Hashem swore to destroy Amalek to the end of days because the entire galut for us, the Jewish nation, is one long battle against evil. For us, it's a one long mission to allow the world to recognize Hashem in this world and to eradicate evil from the world. And therefore, eradicating Amalek is the... Um, part of the mission statement of getting true evil out of the world. So we saw that the Mefarshim brought v'itkadalti v'itkadashti, the pasuk in, in Yechezkel, that that's the mekar, that's the source for the words v'itkadal v'itkadash. Now the pasuk in Yechezkel, v'itkadalti v'itkadashti v'tochamei ha'aretz, that pasuk is talking about milchamat ha'malek. That pasuk is actually talking about the, um, the war which is going to be fought against Gog and Magog at the end of the days. And the Mepharshim explained that that war is going to finally uh, submit the power of Amalek at Biat HaMashiach. So according to Rashi, the... Uh, sorry, uh, not submit. It's going to find... Subdue. Subdue. Um, uh, the power of Amalek. Defeat. Yeah, so with this... Give me a second. Let me just pause it. Uh, just to interrupt for a second, I forgot to add that... I once heard a, a pshat, uh, I don't know who says it, but it's almost definitely true that the way that we could battle Amalek, and this is important for Purim actually, is that um, because Amalek's power, was their, their strength was to say we recognize Hashem and to say we recognize real, pure, good, truth, good, goodness, and power, and we could say FLPKing, even so, so what? We're going to push against it with our evil. The way to defeat Amalek as B'nai Israel is for us to see pure evil and to say FLPKing. When we see true darkness, when we see real suffering, when we see real evil, and we say, so what? We're going to push forward. That's how we defeat Amalek. I just thought that was a very beautiful idea. I don't know who says it, but most likely it's. It is Torah Temet. So with this explanation of Kiyad al-Kezka, Rashi explains the first pas- the first stick, so to speak, of Kaddish. Rashi says, Yitkadal v'yitkadash, paraphrasing the Pasuk in Yechezkel. Shimei is actually a shorthand, it's a code, we wanted to hide it from the Malachim. Shem ka That should it be at the end of days, that at the end of the war of Gog Magog, the name of Yud and He should be, co- should be great. It should be exalted, it should become... Uh, full. It should reach its, uh, what's the word? Fullness with Yud and He and Vav and He. So now we're going to explain later what, what that means, Yud and He and Vav and He, why they have to be together. The Rishonim also bring other Pesukim to prove that this is the, the intention. For example, it says, Ve'alu Moshiim Be'shpot Be'har Esav that the saviors are going to climb the mountain of Esav. We say this at the end of Pesuke de Zimra, right? The Har Esav is Amalek, the, the family of Esav. And it will be to Yudke Vavke, the sovereignty. That's part of the prayer here. Also, the Pasuk in Zechariah says, That on that day, at the end of days, Hashem's name will be one and, 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 and uh, recognized as one. The Abu Durham says something brilliant. I thought it was so cute. He says, He's only one of the Rishonim which say this, so I, I didn't even realize. It's, it says in, the, in Pasuk in Tilim, and Kuf Lamed 
Bet. It says that Hashem will choose um, Tzion, Iva Moshavlo, that he desired that for his resting place. Iva is Aleph, Vav, He. That at the end of days, Hashem is going to restore Aleph and Vav and He back to the, their places. Aleph goes to the Kisei, and the Vav and He goes back to the name. So the Gra in Shulchan Aruch, in um, Yoradeya, Resh Ain Vav, Siv Katan Yutet, he explains that the shame Yud He, the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, you're not allowed to erase it in, in Yoradeya, you can't, you can't like, you know, blot it out. He says the shame Yud He is not actually a name in, in and of itself. It's really, a, it's not essentially it's a name, it's, it's, a, it's half. It is a, an abbreviation of the full name of Hashem, and still Yud and He itself is usher to erase, because Yud and He has an independent um, importance in and of itself. So now why of all, before we get into the technicalities of Yud and He, why of all the names of Hashem did we choose the name of Yud and He to praise in, in Kaddish? Why was that the name that we chose of all of the names to, to praise? Does, if it was the Tefillah and the Gula, we could have left it out. We could have used this name, that name. Yehuda ben Yakar adds a very important point. He says that at the, at the, in the design of Kaddish initially, it was most often said after Ashrei. So you would say it after the Ashrei of Psuke de Zimra or after the Ashrei of Mincha. And Ashrei ends va'anachnu nevarech ka. And we will bless Hashem's name. But the bracha at the end of Ashrei, whether it's Yishtabach, whether it is uh, the first bracha Shmon Ashrei in, in Mincha, doesn't have anything about the Shem yod Hey. And therefore, as sort of a substitute, they put it's got they the they emphasized Kaddish to to praise the name of Yud Hey because we promised that that's what we would, we would do at the end of Ashrei and we never ended up doing it. It's a, I thought it was a very interesting point. Okay, so now let's delve just briefly into what the Kabbalah is behind the name Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey. So there's many 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 meanings to the name Yud Hey Vav Hey. We could studying it and getting and understanding it better as we've spoken about the names of Hashem before brings us to a higher realization of, of another realization, uh, relationship with Hashem. So Yud and Hei and Vav and Hei is understood when we have Kavanah as a Don HaKol Hayah Hovevihiyeh, the master of everything who was, is, and will be. It's an omnipotent Hashem, the, uh, the, the one of, of uh, infinite essence that we have no concept of. That's the name Yud, hey, Vav, Yud and Hei and Vav and Hei, which is... Um, from a different world, Elohim is more the name we use for our realm. Now, each letter of this name represents different things in creation. So one system of just dividing them is the, the corner of the Yud is the highest world, which is called Adam Kadmon, and then you have the Yud is Atzilut, and then the next Vav is, is um, Bria, and then the I'm sorry, the next He is Briya, and then Vav is, is, is Yitzira, and then He is Asiya. That's one system of, 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 um, of what's the word, of being Mepharesh, of be, not just being Mepharesh, but describing the Shem Hashem, that it brings Hashem's energy from, Hashem brings His energy from the highest worlds into the lower worlds. And one of like the mnemonic devices they give for that is, for example, the Yud is almost like a concentrated point of power. The He represents a hand which is holding the Yud. Hashem creates a vessel or the capability for His um, 
his power or energy, so to speak, to be, get related to us. The Vav is like a hand outstretched in order Hashem makes a vehicle transportation for it. In other words, not just does he make it available for us to be able to um, to realize, but also to receive. And the hey is our hand receiving it, the Olam Hasiya, our, our world. Another way to, to understand Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey is in the system of the Sefirot. So the Kutzol Shel Yud, the, the, the pointy part of the Yud, represents uh, Keter. The Yud itself represents Chokhmah. The, the, the Hey represents Bina. The Vav represents the, the six Sefirot from Chokhmah until Yisod. Sorry, from... Um, uh, chesed until Yisod, and then finally the Hay represents Malchut. Also very sim- it also parallels those four worlds. However that works, it works. So now the first two letters, Yud and Hay, represent Chochmah and Binah and Keter. Those are the higher Sefirot, the Sefirot of the higher section. So the, the Sefirot from Chesed down to Malchut are the ones which interact with our world. The changes, and the, the changes, so to speak, of uh, the way Hashem manifests His power through those sefirot directly affect our world. However, Chochmah and Binah and Dat and Keter and all those things above, those are higher than our world, so to speak. So because, and that's, for example, why Yud and He can be written without Bav and He. Because Yud and He represents Keter, Chochmah, and Bina. Those are manifestations of Hashem's power which are totally unaffected by our actions in this world. No matter how, much sins we do, how many sins we do, no matter what happens in our universe, nothing, is, nothing affects uh, uh, Hashem in, 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 in His abode. There's no change that you can make to Hashem uh, in His realm. Therefore, the Yud and He can be written by themselves. Vav and He can never be written by themselves because... Uh, they have no power without Yud and He. Our universe, with its seeming, with its apparent change and its apparent independent existence, even though it's not real, um, can only be empowered by Yud and He. Okay, so that's the basic idea that the first Yud and He is from the higher powers, which transmit the higher, sorry, higher manifestations of Hashem's power, which in turn met, give power to the lower worlds, which are represented by Vav and He. So what Amalek did by pushing their agenda of evil was they made a pirut. They made a sort of separation within where Hashem's um, sovereignty was less recognized in our world. And because they did that, they disconnected, so to speak, this world and humanity from um, Hashem's sovereignty, Hashem's malchut. And our job is to reconnect that. So when the world does not recognize Hashem as its ruler, the Vav and He, so to speak, is less connected to the Yud and He, and therefore there's this Pirud that we have to reconnect, we have to get everybody, get everybody back. Interestingly, the Datsikinim, which are the Balei HaTosafot, on the Pasuk of Kiyad they say that we can only do this in this world. It's very obvious that if um, the only way we can make any Tikunim is in the, I'm trying to phrase this properly. The only way we can make tikkunim to connect this world to Yud and Hay is while we're alive. Once you get to Shemayim, it's game over. You have you don't have a, a, a capability because in Shemayim everything's static. There's no possibility to change or to 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 you know to to make yourself at a higher level than you were before. Which is, which is why he brings the pasuk which says Lo hametim yehalel ka. Dead people cannot praise Ka. Also, it says, Yasur Yisirani Ka, Vilamavet Lo Netanani. Because Yud and He are, are our tikkunim of Yud and He can only be done in this world. 
fascinating thing that Balei Tosfot generally don't speak Kabbalistically, but this is actually something which is said by the Mikubalim. Now, theologically, Rashi says that it says, um, Now, when it says Rabbah, it sounds, it sounds like we're saying we should make great the name of Yudhei. How could you say you should make great if the name Yudhei itself is half a name? How could you say Rabbah about half a name? So it's not clear to me exactly what Rashi's asking because you could just say that Yehei Shem Yudhei should, should be greater. But Rashi still asks us. He asks, well, how could you say Rabbah great about, um, or perhaps he's asking Yehei Shemei Rabbah Mevarach, that the name Rabbah should be Mevarach, whatever his question is. But he says that, the, theologically he answers that, but it says in the Pasuk, Hashem told Moshe that I'm going to uh, deliver or to, to stretch over from the from you, the Ruach which I put on you, the Ruach HaKodesh I gave to you. I'm going to give it also to Yeshua, right? I'm going to give it to the rest of Bnei Israel. So, over there, the Targum says by Be'atzalti, it says, and I shall add. Just like a fire goes from flame to flame, we cannot say, Rashi says, there's no such a thing as saying, you can never speak in terms of deficiency towards Hashem. Any lack of Hashem's presence is only an illusion to us. It doesn't actually exist. There's no such thing as Hashem being less, Hashem's name being less. All of these things are only to us. It's only in our apparent world. The way we see the world makes it look like there are places or times where Hashem's presence doesn't exist, that there are vacuums of Hashem's presence. All of that is actually an illusion. There really is Hashem's presence in all places, so it's just relative to us, but we can never speak in terms that there's miyut, that there's that Hashem has any deficiency because our Kabbalah is that Hashem is perfect and does not have any lack. Um, and because of Rashi's pirush, Rashi learns, I'm just going to mention this for the congruency, Rashi learns that some of the words are in Hebrew, some of them are in Aramaic, um, in order to hide from the Malachim this meaning, Shemei Rabbah, Shin Mem Yudhei, is in Hebrew, and it switches back and forth as needed. Because um, if they didn't, the Malachim would recognize that we're making Hashem sad from this uh, great tefillah, uh, that, uh, that he's remembering Amalek, and he's remembering the Galut, and all those things. Okay, so according to Rashi, one would have to spell Shimei, Shin, Mem, Yud, Hey. In proper Aramaic, though, there's no need for a Yud. You could just put Shin, Mem, Hey. When the Gemara does put a sh- uh, Yud and Hey, usually it's just to help the reader to know that it's A and not A. Um, so there Sidurim, there were Rishonim who did not agree with Rashi. They didn't believe that this was the Pshat. And we said last week that even Rashi might agree that that's not Pshat. It's really just Sod. It's just Nistar. But this, for this reason, many Sidurim do not put a Yud. The Moroccan Sidurim do not put a Yud. It says, without a Yud. Ashkenazi Sidurim will put it without a Yud. And in, I saw in one, of the Ashkenazi, in one of the Moroccan Sidurim, they say that even, even according to the other way of learning Kaddish, um, which is not according to Rashi's system of Kabbalah, Shimei is still Bigamatria Kel Shakai. So it also has a significance as Shin Mem Hey. Same, uh, also gets you to a similar place. Okay, um, so let's go through um, the Kaddish stanza, uh, stick by stick, stanza by stanza, just quickly, as, as, as quickly as we could, um, and try to glean as much as we can. So Yitzkadal Yitzkadash, we learned last week, the Dover Shalom said Yitzkadal, a gidul is to 
to, to help the world recognize Hashem through his actions, which we understand, be it Kadash and sanctify, help the world, we pray that the world should recognize Hashem even through the actions which we don't understand, through his essential uh, actions. Um, so some have di bira, some have di bira. You know whether it's dalad yud and bra, same idea. The meaning is the same. Some say that. So how do we read this? It says we should exalt and magnify His great name. Now in the world which He created according to His will. So how do you understand this stanza as a topic of discussion? Some say that it means in Olam Hazeh, in this world which He created as according to His will. One of the Rishonim reviewed the Ben Yakar holds that it means in the world that we're praying for the Geula. So we're praying for Biyat HaMashiach. So in the world which he created in the past, according to his Ratzon, that in the future there should be a Geula. That's the, the connotation. Either it's talking about Olam Hazeh, or it's talking about Olam Abba, which is, is, is um, destined for future perfection. Kiru Ute, according to his will. So now, the Gra and, and Yehuda ben Yakar learn this not the way that you would think. There's a tefillah by Kriyat Torah called Al Hakol. Most people don't say this, only I think Musach Svarid says this. Al Hakol is an ancient tefillah which is paralleled off of Kaddish. And over there, when it says the word Kiritsono, the Kiritsono is going back on the Yitzgadal. So the Gra and Yehuda ben Yakar both learn that Kiritsono here doesn't mean the world which he created like according to his will. Don't read it as one. It's in the world which he created. It's just parenthetical. And then Kirute. Kirute is going back in So Kirute. That uh, his name should be exalted and manified according to his will. That's how they learn it. Okay, two ways. Um, two valid ways of learning it. The other way, obviously, is what, as we just said. In the world which he created according to his will. V'yatzmach purkane. Um, this is an addition which the Svaradim have, the Abu Daham, the Rambam, uh, most Svaradim Sudrim have this addition, uh, which is, I'm sorry, did I skip Vyamlich Malchute? Yeah, I skipped Vyamlich Malchute is really the theme of Kaddish. Uh, Vyamlich Malchute is, and his uh, throne shall be, and his uh, kingdom should be coronated. Um, the Temanim have Vyamloch Malchute, they think that that's more grammatically correct, teach his own. Vyatzmach Purkane Bekarei Mishiche, that is a Svaradi edition, um, maybe an early edition because the Rambam has it. That's Aragir Sada. Abu Daham actually says, and it should arrive the uh, the end of the end of times, the Mashiach, which means there's a deadline for when Mashiach is going to come, and we pray that that deadline should <laughs> should uh, come already. Um, the Temanim add, so I'm sorry, and it should there should be like Matzmiach Yeshua. You know how we have that lashon in in. Uh, in, in uh, Shimon Asrei, and it should sprout his salvation because Hashem allows the salvation to happen gradually so we shouldn't be shocked by the sudden coming of Mashiach. Um, remind me how the Svaradi one goes. I don't have a Moroccan one. In front. Right, so we say The Temanim add the Frok Ame and he shall uh, save his, his, his nation. Okay, it's just a ver girsa. Um, is that the real? Because uh, the real? they say the Temani, the way they, they speak, is actually hmm. the way we're going to speak it. Honestly, talk. most of... Uh, that's a rumor. Most oh, okay. most of the uh, of the old Sidorim don't have that uh, addition. 
Yeah, I've never seen that one. First of all, the whole edition of Yatzmach Burkhani Bekarei Mishichei is an addition of, to, to our understanding. We're not, we're not, it doesn't seem to be that that's part of the original Kaddish. Um, it could be, but it would take a lot to prove. Um, all right, so Bechai Echon, Rubiyom Echon. Um, the Rishonim point out that the Pasuk says in Yermiyahu that at the end of times, there's going to be a time of the Biyat HaMashiach, which is going to be very difficult to witness. There'll be Echad V'ir V'shtayim Mishpacha, that there'll be a time where the suffering will be so great that there'll be one person left from a city and two from every family, which we have unfortunately seen in the Holocaust. This has happened. There have been, like my, my mother-in-law's families from, uh, from Greece, there were towns there where one person survived, the entire town, like literally. There are families in which, at best, of an entire dynasty, two people survived. So we've seen this. Hopefully hopefully that klala is gone. But um, this is why we say, we're praying that when the gula comes, we should live to see it and that we shouldn't have to die first. Um, so it could have said, the family of, of B'nai Yisrael, which would mean the families, women, children. It says Kol Beit Yisrael. The Yun Tefillah says Kol is an inclusive. It's a reboy that comes to add the Shliach Tiboris. He's like, and me. <laughs> Kol Beit Yisrael. Just add me too. Bagala Bismakariv. Bagala is the Lashon in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Aramaic to mean Bimehera. So it means like, please keep the Chevalei Mashiach as short as possible. Keep the, you know, the, the pains of of the Dar HaMashiach as short as possible, and let's uh, get Mashiach here without as little suffering as possible. Okay, the next stanza should be pretty self-explanatory. The Chazan was beckoning for a response. This is a responsive prayer, so the, so the Kahal gets up and makes a Kiddush Hashem, as is our mitzvah, and we say, Amen So, agreed, Amen, we're going to give a shiur on Amen hopefully later. But Amen, um, shall his great name be exalted, le'alam u'le'olmei forever and for, in other, or either forever and for forever and ever, or you could say le'alam to this world u'le'olmei to the to the next world, right? To olam and alam, like uh, the to mean time and space, it can mean forever. It can mean war, universe. In their times, there's basically the same idea. Um, they, they saw space and time as basically the same concept, but uh, later Western civilizations saw space and time as separate concepts. Um, so now there's a lot of a lot of Kabbalistic allusions here. Um, the Rishonim speak about the amount of, of letter. There's seven words, 28 letters. The seven words are, are for the Shiva Rikim, for the seven heavens, so to speak. And uh, 28 letters are Gematria Koach, which is why it says that you should say with all your koach, with all your strength, because there's some sort of meditation that involves 28 levels of some to, to some degree. That's why many Shmerabah has that many letters. Um, and additionally, there's uh, there's a dispute over. <laughs> If in Yehishmei Rabbah there's a Yud in the Shimei, if by Vila Olmei Olmaya, Ula Olmei Olmaya there's a Vav, because if you add a Vav it's going to be 29, if you add a Yud it's going to be, you know, it's, what, I think, uh, I, I don't remember exactly how to count, but everybody who has their Shita has a different way of writing it. If your Shita is that there is a Yud, then you leave out the Vav and vice versa. The Mechaber says you're not going to, I think the Mechaber says to add a Vav, and we don't, uh, 
we don't uh, care, care as much about Kabbalah when it comes to Halakha. He, he, I think he puts uh, above there, if I remember correctly. Koach, which uh, strength and apparently the might of Hashem, and for some reason there's a meditation involving Chafche's 28 steps. I don't have any under- any understanding of it. Okay. Um, Yitzbarach. So this is very interesting. So we all say Yitzbarach, 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 We all say that. Originally in the Sidur of Rabbi Amram Gaon, and I think in the Sidur of the Rambam and the Temanim, till today, if you look here, this is a Temanim Sidur. This is how they do it. Amen. Amen. They all answer Amen right here. This is how it was done in the ancient Sidurim. Right. So the um, reason for this is obviously it was first put this way in the Siddur of Ramram, but there's also a Midrash, which we spoke about two weeks ago, um, where Eliyahu and Avi met a person with camels, 4,000 uh, 4, camels, and they all had lo- loads of uh, fire and of wrath and anger. And he said, This is for the people who speak in between uh, the, the Prakim of Kriyat Shema, or who speak between Amen Yeshmei Rabbah, Liyat Barach. So the people who speak in between those two, this is what these things of fire and anger and wrath are for. So this is the punishment for them. So because it says not to interrupt between they understood that to mean that Yitzbarach was attached. And I've seen, I don't understand why, but the, but when, whenever the Rishonim speak about it, they, they put Yitzbarach together with for some reason Yitzbarach is um, it should be blessed as part of the previous sentence. Now, I'm not clear why that is. It doesn't even grammatically work, but for some reason we have to attach bracha to the Amen Yehei whatever that, that, that means. Maybe that's why we also repeat it after. What do we repeat? This whole, this whole thing. I mean, when, when the Shiliyah Tibur says it, we also repeat the whole, the whole passage. All right, so, so yeah, so there's, three, there's actually... So there's no there's actually, separation. Exactly, so there's three uh, opinions as to where to say Amen. So the... Um, I'm sorry, to where to to um, to read until. So the Tamanim, everyone's going to say, And you'll see, you'll hear Ashkenazim do this too sometimes. You go to an Ashkenaz shul, they'll all go, and That's where they stop. This comes from there. Um, the Rush and the Tor, and they say, and everybody, and Rush and Tor, I think the Mechaber Paschal is like this as well. He's, they say to respond until Olmaya. That's it. You say Amen Yishmer Avach Lalam Omei Amaya. The Vilna Gaon and the Magen of Aram they agree. The Magen of Aram they agree because they first of all they argue kabbalistically. They think Yitzbarach is part of the next stanza. Second of all, I the Midrash. You're going to tell me the Midrash says not to, to interrupt between the two. So there's two answers. One you could say like the Rokeach. The Rokeach says no. When it says not to interrupt between Omei Amaya and Yitzbarach, it means until the end of Yitzbarach. It's just a shorthand. It means if you interrupt between. Until the end, then, then, then there's fire and wrath, there, there's anger and wrath to rain down on you. That's one shot. The other is that it's uh, the other way you could answer is that when it says not to interrupt, it means in Kavanah that the Tzibor is not supposed to talk in that time, and that's of course true, no matter where where it is. Not that they shouldn't pause with they, it's not that they shouldn't pause their speech, but they shouldn't make an interruption in Kavanah by speaking or doing this and that in between uh, these words. In other words, don't talk during Kaddish. That's the other way of learning it. Number three, the Geonim say to go all the way to the end. So you say, And then you go all the way to all the way to the next stanza. Nobody does that anymore. Um, it's not a very common minhag. So we, the Svaradim, our minhag has always been to 
go all the way to the end of the Ten Shvachim. We basically make a sort of compromise between the Geonim and between the Rosh and the Torah. Okay, so now there's ten praises. If you pay attention, in Kaddish, Yitzkadal, Yitzkadash, and then it's about 10 slash 11 if you add Vietzkalel. So in the old Sidurim, it said some of them had Vietzkales. Some added Vietzkales. Now, because Kilus can, Kales can mean two things, it could either mean to praise or it could mean something else which is not as nice. Therefore, they took that out and they, they put Vietzkalel. So why did people add Vietzkales in the first place? Rashi says they added it because. I should first explain that he holds that those seven, those seven, uh, sorry, those are all um, for the Shiva Rakim, those are all represent the seven heavens. The ones who add Vietkales is because there's an eighth Rakia al Gabea Chayot, whatever that means, that there's an eighth Rakia on top of the Chayot HaKodesh. That's why they add an eighth. However, um, most countings, like the Grad today, does not put the Grad does not put Vietalel. If you look in a Grad Sidur of the Grad, there's no Vietalel. It, it just ends. That's how the Grad ends. There's no no Vietalel. He he argues Kabbalistically. He says you shouldn't add an, an eighth in that stanza, but that's over there. So the first, the beginning, we separate the first two. There's two brach, there's two shvachim in the beginning. And then there's uh, in our girsa eight at the end, right? So why do we do it this way? The Mefrashim explain because these Shvachim uh, correspond to two sets of ten. One is the Asam Amarot Nivra Olam, the ten things that the ten utterances Hashem used to create the world. The other ten is the Asarat Hadibrot. And we know that the first two Asarat Hadibrot were said, Mipiagura, that Hashem himself spoke the two Asarat Hadibrot. And so those are separate um, from the other eight of the Asarat Hadibrot. Therefore, the first two Yitzchadav Yitzchadash are said separately from Yitzbarach 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 Um What Shaykhut do the ten Mamarot have to the Aseret Hadibrot? In general, when they're compared, it's because one is like the Guf and one is like the Neshama. The first ten utterances Hashem created, Hashem used to create, that's me, I just have long legs. Okay, the Hashem used ten, ten utterances to create the world and he made a creation of the world. Now, why did he create the world? It's almost like creating a body without a neshama. When it came to the Asarat Dibrot, Hashem said, why? Anochi Hashem Lokecha, he put meaning into the universe which he created. So these two uh, aspects correspond to each other. The If you look in, in uh, I think, the Chesidei Ashkenaz, they have an entire three paragraphs where they go through every one uh, from Yitzkadal Yitzkadash, and they explain how each one corresponds to another one of the Mamarot which Hashem created the world with and why it corresponds to that. For example, why you know this one corresponds to the to, to the creation of Adam and this one corresponds to the creation of the Rakiyas and it's very, very interesting. Very long, so we don't have time for it, but it's very interesting. Um, okay. There... Oh, so that's basically mostly what it is. So we have... We got to the end. The, the last seven... Were um, those, as we said, were the Shivarakim, which, again, Shivarakim are not not directly connected to what we know as like the, the Shiva, the seven Sefirot. Shivarakim correspond to levels of separation between us and Hashem, different mo, different levels, like from our Neshama, or how. 
how difficult it is meditatively for us to relate to Hashem. If you look in the back of the Hilchot Rosh Chodesh, uh, Yalev Yavo, the Tefillah Yalev Yavo also has seven. Yalev Yavo It also corresponds to the Shiva Rekim. So the Gra over there in the back of Hilchot Rosh Chodesh has a large... Uh, a large thing where he expounds on exactly what that means and he brings the Gmaran Chagiga which names each one of these Rakiyas so that's probably a whole nother Avodah I don't think that it's appropriate to, to go on such a tangent but that's so so much for the end uh, ah one last thing higher than any this is in Aramaic um, higher than any Bracha song Praise and nechama, which we could say lelama, that we could say in this world. So the gist of this is that even as much as we could pray, God is above and other and higher than any praise that we could say of Him. That's the end of Kaddish. Now, one thing that stands out is um, this word nechamata. That God, if you read it in English, it makes no sense. Hashem is higher than any bracha, any blessing, any song. Any praise and any nechama, any consolation. What does that mean? So we saw that Rashi said that we say a nechama to Hashem because we made Hashem, so to speak, sad. And therefore, because we recounted the galut, we have to say a tefillah, which um, brings Hashem uh, consolation or condolence, as it were. Now, many people don't really get how this flows because grammatically it doesn't really flow the syntax doesn't flow to say praise and then consolation my suspicion is that it's just a misunderstanding because this name has been forgotten um, we see um, if you look in the Gemara for example in Brachot there used to be a tefillah called Kol Nachmenu I believe it was Nachem uh, Al there was, there was, there was a, a tefillah called a Nechama there was a time when there were certain tefillot called nechamot. And therefore it's my understanding that because there was a, there's a section, there's a type of tefillah called nechamot, therefore in Aramaic it's called nechamata. So basically higher than any nechamata that we could say, any you know tefillah which is a condolence that we could say, this is just the Aramaic terminology for such a tefillah. All right, Bezat Hashem next week we'll continue with various closings to the Kaddish, Kaddish Tutkabal, Kaddish Yeshlamar uh, um, Abba, and we'll see where we get. Bezat Hashem.